Hello and welcome to Out in South London on Resonance FM with me, Rosie Wilby. That was the new single, or forthcoming single, wonderful, from Billy Myers from the forthcoming album Tea and Sympathy. And I'm delighted to say that Billy is in the studio with Thank me. Thank you for having me. Are you it's brilliant to have you here because, I mean, of course, many of us remember Kiss the Rain a, a, good, <laughs> a good few years ago, yes. which was a huge hit. Yes, um, and, and many of us sort of, you know, well, don't, didn't quite know what, what had happened to you maybe since then. I know you, you did have another album yep. um, after that, but you've been living in Los Angeles and you're just over for a little promo trip at the moment. I am, yeah. Um, I was, I've spent a lot of time in Los, between Los Angeles and Miami and uh, ups and downs um, and, you know, been very vocal about depression and so on and mm. just got myself a bit stuck for a while um, mm-hmm. and then uh, decided to come back home, record this album and come back to basics really um and you came back to london to record yes. this oh, album yeah, yeah, where yeah. did you do it uh pause bella road labrick grove um in a little friend of mine well, she's actually amazing uh producer um who mm-hmm. i probably will never be able to afford to work with ever again actually i always <laughs> laugh i'm like i've got you before they think of you as linda perry um right. her name is d adam and she's just fantastic and another friend of mine uh, jane dobbins who's like the the the, the greatest singer the world has never heard of um, and they gave me their time and their effort. Um, and uh, Dee works out of a studio just off uh, Labrick Grove. Mm. Um, and it's a studio. It's basically it's really it's really cool because it's sort of a warehouse, really. Oh right, so so yeah. not quite as posh as our Resonance FM studio here. You know, it, this is posh. This <laughs> is posh. Do you like it? I do. Thank you very much. <laughs> Listen, I've I've been very lucky. I've worked in uh, yeah. you know I've done I've I'm worked sure in Abbey Road nice and studios. I've you know uh, Criterion in Miami and yeah. places in LA. But I have to say that one of the most real relaxing places yeah. for me to work was was in her studio because it was Brilliant. authentic if that makes sense yeah no that absolutely makes sense mm. but i mean take us back because of course you were signed to universal mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. probably that was the time when you were sort of in studios like abbey road mm. um but you ended up losing your deal tell us about mm-hmm. how how that happened after such a huge hit it happens because you know we sometimes forget the music industry is a business and mm. i have no bad feelings whatsoever um with Universal Records, which I think always surprises people uh-huh. because, you know, they took, um, you know, I was signed by Doug Morris, uh, which in of itself was just a most amazing dream come true. And they treated me fantastically. I had complete autonomy to make hopefully good stuff and bad stuff and mistakes and hopefully mm-hmm. the right decisions. But at a certain point, you know, the, the second album came out and it got, you know, it was great. The critics loved it. but. Yep. It just, well, for whatever reason, timing, who knows, it didn't sell. And at the end of the day, I may not like it, but it is a business and they have bills to pay. Yeah. And yes, I did get that call that said, uh, sorry, we've got to drop you. Um, which, ironically, in very L.A. fashion, I was on a clonic table when I got that call. <laughs> Quite why I would be taking a call while I was getting a yes, clonic. <laughs> Is beyond me. I don't really know, actually. But I remember being on the clonic table, getting that call, and <laughs> thinking to myself, I really have to hold it together. I mean, literally. Gosh, yes. Um, <laughs> do not be putting this into a play, Amy. <laughs> yes, I'm, I must say that our, our, other, our other guest, who's going to be talking to us in the second half of the show, the playwright Amy Rosenthal, is, is making furtive notes. <laughs> I'm like, hang on a minute. Is this is that one. I'll be like... Eh, eh. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was kind of bizarre, um, and it just uh, 
Yeah, because Throne was very bizarre. It was very fluky, and I was surrounded by so amazing, so many amazing people who just gave me this incredible break, and it felt very undeserved at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there I am. Just uh, we were talking earlier. You know, I was nursing in Birmingham, girl from Coventry. Then all of a sudden, performing Snapped on the steps. Up. Yeah, snap, yeah, you know, performing on the steps of the Vatican or something, and mm. it was very und- it felt very undeserving. And I, I, I would, I'm honest enough to say, I was lucky. It wasn't. Well, there is a lot of luck involved in the music business, isn't there? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, there are some people Mm. who you look at, like I said, this lady, I know Jane Dobbins, in my mind, she should have been signed and like, you know, bigger than Mariah Carey. And I can't tell you why that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But Mm. really, if if you took our talents, I don't Mm. have even in my fingernail the talent that girl has. And so... There comes a point, you have to just be really honest. I was surrounded by incredibly talented people who gave me a break. So it felt a little undeserving. And then I think when it all fell apart, it made sense to me mentally that it would have fallen apart because I shouldn't have been there in the first place, which led to, you know, horrible bouts of depression. In a way, that turned out to be a gift um, because... The the depression did. It did. Um, Creatively. Well, on many levels. Creatively, yes. Um, It's a blessing and a curse. But... um, I, you know, was dragged literally by the scruff of my neck um, by friends down to a psychiatrist when I started talking about playing chicken and the merits of making sure that you had um, anti-emetics with you when you were going to take your pills so that you weren't sick if you were going to overdose. You know, ridiculous conversations that now I'm just like, I really, me? I I really had Your friends basically kind of staged an intervention Mm -hmm. of sorts. They did, they did. Um, And they took my car away and all kinds of carry on. Mm -hmm. And... It was a, and it sounds like a strange thing to say, but um, for the listeners who've ever had depression will know what I mean. You don't know that you're depressed. And so with all of that happening and the swirl around that, I was shoved down to this psychiatrist and it became apparent that I'd obviously had, you know, depression on and off since I was maybe four or five. Yeah. Um, so it, I say it was a gift because without that, the truth is I'd still be in this vague sea of grey feeling like I don't belong and just always less than and not realise that I don't have to feel that way Mm. and that I'm not suggesting that taking pills stops you feeling that way but it certainly manages it a lot more so it was a gift yes that's how I view it now I mean, and also sort of feeling those kind of peaks of emotion. Obviously, mm-hmm. the, the lows are terrible, but you mm-hmm. can have great highs as mm-hmm. well um, and, and really brilliant times too. Yeah, I had amazing times. I mean, for God's sake, um, I wasn't joking. You know, I got to a uh, good convent school girl that I am. I, I did. I, you know, performed on the steps of the Vatican. I, mm. You know, I got to meet Madonna, for God's sake. have dinner with Madonna. I mean, you <laughs> How know, was hello. that? It was great. Thank you very much. But, you know, you just don't expect that. I got to sit and have a conversation with Sidney Potier who was like for wow. me an, you know, an icon you know yeah. you get to talk yeah. to Chardet and tell Chardet you realise that growing up I relate I understood that it was okay to be mixed race and you made a difference and mm. the, you just don't think when you're growing up in Coventry or you're in Birmingham that you're going to get that opportunity I mean you know, I, I you get to sing on the steps of the White House, the West, West Lawn, where Martin Luther King gave his big I Had a Dream speech. Mm. Hello, that is not, that was all because of Universal Records yeah. and people who had believed. So in you me. actually, in many ways, do feel very lucky. Like I still feel very lucky. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I would, could change the ending a little bit. but the Well, you are, isn't okay. that what you are doing now? <laughs> yes. By releasing this yeah. album very much on your own terms, mm-hmm. on your own label. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose that the next part chapter is, is kind of coming and you, you're writing that. And perhaps it feels in a way like this is even more authentic because you're doing it that way. Um, 
I'd like to, you know, I yes and no. Uh-huh. I, I didn't feel like it was unauthentic first time round. But it's a bit of unreal, perhaps. But it was unreal. Yeah. Because, you know, Universal were brilliant and they didn't ever ask me to be anybody I wasn't. So it wasn't mm. like anybody mm. tried to mould me into anything. No. Um, this feels more that I'm instead of, I don't know if this makes sense, but I feel that it's not passing me by this time. Mm. Seriously, Kiss You're the Rain. savouring. Yeah, Kiss the, the Rain passed me yeah. by. I yeah. didn't know. I didn't even know where it was in the charts most of the time. Mm. And even here, when I was here, when it went in the charts, I think number three or something, and it mm. went straight in. And I was in a, a hotel room, uh, actually, ironically, with an eye infection. And, you know, I had no one to share it with because <laughs> I was embarrassed, my, if that makes sense. Because yeah. I couldn't really talk to my friends because they felt, I think, that... I'd suddenly gone on into this new world where they didn't belong and, and I yeah. felt that they weren't accepting me and I hadn't gone into this new world and it was very bizarre. You yes, know. I can imagine. It, really it suddenly t- transports you in, into a different yeah, place you that you don't know or understand. Yeah. you want to share it with your friends and then of course. your friends are suddenly ascribing so many characteristics to you that are not true just because they saw you on top of the pops and you're like, I'm more excited than you probably are. That I, I, you know, I'm a kid and... Mm. And suddenly they were th- just describing ridiculous scenarios to me just because the record company were paying for me to stay in a nice hotel. And and, and it, they, I don't know, it, it was really bizarre. Mm. Instead of being fun. It was otherworldly. It was the almost. absolute, and I ref- yeah. this time, I don't have to have the success of Kiss the Rain, but yeah. I guarantee you, I will enjoy every interview I do. Yeah. I will Great. enjoy everywhere I go. And I will enjoy that the fact that I have two friends behind me right now. They, who yes, are just they're here. Having, they're taking pictures. Taking you, pictures. You might see them you on know Twitter. Because it may not happen again. Absolutely. Well, so, I, I, I hope, it, I I hope the success yeah, does keep I do, on but happening. It may not. So but tell, I, I mean, Billy, we have to wrap up in a minute yeah. because we have to talk to Amy in a minute. But um, tell us briefly, I mean, obviously you talked about being mixed race, but, mm. but how did sort of being mixed race and also bisexual... Oh, my God, she just said the dreaded word. Oh, the B word. Yes. Well, because we are an LGBT yeah. radio Jeepers. show. Oh, my God, um, I've just lost half the viewership. Right. Well, I, the I, listeners, I, it was just on your press off. release. No, I know, go ahead. I'm actually teasing. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. You know, I guess these were all things that you were finding your way with and how, that your identity in terms of race and sexuality mm. and, or, or, and as a woman, I mean, yeah. it's still a very sexist world out mm-hmm. there. Do you know what's interesting is I had more difficulty with being biracial and never feeling accepted in terms of I was never white enough yeah, and okay. never black enough. And I, yeah, okay. you, you know, if I wanted to be black, I had to be more black than my friends. And if I had to be white, I had to be posher than my friends. <laughs> and uh, as far as bisexuality... Again, people might roll their eyes at this, but someone asked me the other day, they went, well, when did you come out? And I went, I never did, because I was never in. Yeah, you just... The first you know, person I yeah. introduced my first girlfriend to was my ex-boyfriend, Yeah, who I dated for five years. Yeah. And they looked at me and they're like, that's kind of strange. I'm like, I guess, but that well, is my world. And yeah. it never, I don't know what it is bizarre, but it just never struck me as weird. No, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it, it's many of us are much more fluid than we probably care to. Yeah, uh, that's what I, I like that. I'm fluid. Talk about. Yeah. And, and I think that's more, you know, I, a lot of um, young people are now saying that they're queer and adopting that label. It's sort of quite mm. an incendiary word from the past in terms of its context. Yeah, I, I but do. they're sort of re-owning that word as meaning own. just something other own, than own completely it. uniformly yeah. heterosexual or fitting into a box I, of any I, kind. I, I think it's OK, you know, if you find 
uh, women attractive or you find guys attractive. And I, I just think at the end of the day, and, and again, I said this recently, I said, I would hate to think that the people that I've loved in my life, that I would stop loving them because I suddenly either realized that A, they didn't have a penis or, or, <laughs> or B, you know, they had one. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, that just for me is not relevant. And I yeah. don't know. Absolutely. And I think for a lot of people, if we weren't so um, pressured by societal expectations of who we should and shouldn't be, that we would be a little bit more honest. And yeah. as you say, I like that term, fluid. Yeah, absolutely. About our sexuality it really isn't a big deal. Okay, well, I'm glad that you say that because, like I say, we are an LGBT radio show out in South London. My thanks go to Billy oh, Myers. Thank you for who having will be, me. You um, still here for the second half of the show, but we'll be focusing on our other guest, Amy Rosenthal, and she's going to be talking about the musical Tailor Made Man, which has just opened at the Arts Theatre. Let's hear a track from it. This is Design. That was Design from the uh, the musical Tailor Made Man. We don't often have a good big musical number on the show, so that was a bit fun. That was a bit different, wasn't it? Um, so the musical is on at the moment at the Arts Theatre, as I mentioned before, and I'm delighted to have its co-writer here in the studio with me, Amy Rosenthal. Hi, Amy. Hi. How are you doing? I'm very well. You're just down from, from Muswell Hill, I, I believe. That's your neck of the woods, is it? Not anymore. Oh, not I anymore. grew up in Muswell Hill. Ah, I see. Okay. But, um, I, I mentioned, I noticed the mention of it on your uh, on your biog, and I, oh. I did live there for a while. Did you? Yes, yeah. Oh. Quite a nice part of the world, but yeah, yes. Yeah, I still feel very attached to Muswell Hill. Yes. I feel very well, nostalgic now when I go through it. Down with us in South London, so I appreciate that. Um, and tell us a bit about, obviously, the musical... It's the true story of William Haynes, the silent screen star who was fired by MGM. Um, and how did you get involved with this story? Because obviously it, it had been a play, hadn't it? Yes, it was a play by Claudio McCaw. Um, and uh, I came on board quite late in the process. Uh, they started to turn it into a musical. And um, I, I was got involved through the lyricist um, Adam Megiddo, mm-hmm. uh, who is a friend of mine and we share the same agent and I'm a great admirer of his work and he did a fantastic show called Burlesque at German Street last year which was a musical about um, McCarthy, McCarthyism Uh and and I really admired that and uh, so I was thrilled when he got in touch and asked if I would work on this so he was already the the music was already underway and they were just looking for a playwright to adapt the, the original play into 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 something that fitted the musical format. And as, uh, reading your CV, I think you worked on plays pretty much before this. And mm-hmm. is this the first musical you'd it actually is. worked on? Yeah. So, what sort of challenges did that present? It's very different. It's much more collaborative, which mm. is fantastic because it's much less lonely. Oh, that's a nice way of looking at it. Yes. <laughs> no, it's wonderful for me. I love that. Um, mm. And I suppose it changes the way you think about the construction of a scene. Yes. Because generally, rather than winding up a scene or building to the the point that you would build to as a in a in a straight play, yes, you're building towards a song. So actually, you have to be in constant consultation with mm. the musical team. Um, okay. So Adam and Duncan Walsh Atkins, the, the composer, and I were emailing back and forth all the time. Ah, so, interesting. Yeah, it's very, very collaborative. It's a conversation rather than an isolated. And tell us what sort of emotionally drew you into the story, of course, about um, sort of being gay and that being really quite forbidden in Hollywood. Um, 
I suppose it just seemed like a lovely love story to me. Yes. Because their relationship, uh, Billy's relationship with his partner, it it lasts for many, many years, doesn't it? Yeah, 50 years. And... Friends described it as the happiest marriage in Hollywood, and I think wow. I think it was it was a very happy marriage. I mean, they they cheated on each other, and <laughs> they were flawed people, but they loved each other. Aren't, aren't we all, though? <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you study that <laughs> at great length, being a playwright. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I um, suppose that and the whole Hollywood world mm. is fascinating to me. And in a way, the things that haven't changed. Uh, the celebrity culture. Yeah. Um, the way in which, I mean, it's hugely relevant to everything that, that Billy was just saying about, oh, yeah. you know, how someone is suddenly thrown into the limelight because they have talent, but not prepared in any way for what that means for you personally. And and for your your loved ones around yeah. you as well. Yeah. Yes, that's really yeah. interesting, and, isn't it? And how the creative temperament goes hand in hand with, with um, depression or with... Mm-hmm. Conflict, yeah, conflict, De- absolutely. I think, well, for a lot of us anyway, but but particularly like creative people. And like I think that was certainly true of of William Haynes. Mm. Mm. And I think there is there is still perhaps a bit of conflict about being gay and openly gay in Hollywood. I mean, we've seen sort of Jodie Foster kind of make a bit of a coming out speech, but that was still a little bit. Um, tentative. You know, tentative. Yes. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what you think about that. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean. Um, I think uh, William Haynes, what happened to him, sort of created the notion of the closet. Oh, really? Yeah, because which is what he was pushed into by yeah. MGM, or yes. they attempted to push him in and keep him in, and he wouldn't stay. You know, they kept <laughs> trying to marry him off to Polo oh, Negri women. and yes, to yeah. various yep, yep. starlets, um, and he just wouldn't. He was. He was unashamed, mm. rightly so. A bit of a trailblazer, really, then. He was, yeah. Absolutely. And what's your sort of favourite scene? Ooh, um, well, if it, I'm <laughs> sure it's so hard to pick one, but if there's a particularly interesting one. It's tricky because I'm my own harshest critic. I mean, oh. <laughs> uh, and so so... I suppose I really totally relax when when they sing, <laughs> when it's not my. Oh, when bit. it's not your bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, don't you feel proud of your? I feel yes, I do, I of do, and I and and you know, and I I am also proud of, of of the original play itself. Of course, there is you know, Claudio created the original play, yeah. which which oh. um gave us the, the shape of it. Um, yeah. But uh, my favourite mm. scene, I. I, I I actually love that design song and I love the end. And I suppose for me, there's a very touching moment towards the end when um, they sing that song and right at the end of it, all the friends kind of gather around and freeze as if for a photograph. And then the song just slows down and they start to get up very slowly as if in slow motion and recede into memory Ah. because the whole, the framing device for the show is an interview between... Jimmy Shields, the older Jimmy Shields, who was William's lover, uh-huh. and a young journalist. And she's asking him to look back on their life together. So he's oh. sort of remembering it all. Okay, yeah. Lovely. And then that moment when it all recedes and he's back in the present, in the present. but without Billy, who's, oh. who's 
uh, died now as an old man. I, yeah, 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 I okay. find that a bit very touching. Well, um, if you want to go and see Taylor Made Man, it is on at the Arts Theatre. It is now. April when does sixth run end? Right, April the sixth. I say so. Get your tickets before then. Well, that brings to a close yet another edition of Out in South London. Thanks for joining us on Resonance one hundred four point four FM. My producer Sabine's program on Marlena Dietrich Beyond Top Hat and Tails is available as a podcast for seven days on Resonance FM website. If you want to catch that again, I'm doing my How Not to Make It in Britpop show at the Marlborough Theatre in Brighton on Friday. Polari this evening, if you want to get down to the Royal Festival Hall, has Claire Summerskill, who was on this show recently. Or if you're staying in, Sue Perkins' sitcom starts on BBC Two, 10 o'clock tonight. Join us next week when Annabelle Shrostek is playing live. Here's a track from her. I woke up from...